0: If you are going to regret it, you got to do it. It gave me the confidence to say, hey, I can open up a specialty lens clinic and you know what I can do it without insurance too. We're willing to take that chance because this is something that I believe so much in.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Dare to be Different podcast. My name is Nick Despotitis, and I've committed to interviewing who I view as the movers and shakers in our profession. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing my colleague and friend, Stephanie Wu. I met Stephanie a few years ago when she was considering um, changing her mode of practice. And from that day, she's taken our conversation and really flew with it. So without further ado, Stephanie, I really want to thank you for coming on today's podcast.
0: Oh, thanks, Nick. And yes, I do remember that conversation, and I'll be, I'll be talking about that um, on this podcast.
1: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's great. Well, let's start. When I met you, correct me if I'm wrong, you were practicing in Arizona?
0: Yes. So I owned three practices, two of which were in Arizona. One was in California.
1: Wow. And and how did you end up in that area? Why don't you back up a little bit? How did sure. you end up owning three practices, um, you know, right out of school? Give me a little background.
0: Sure. So um after I completed my cornea contact lens residency, I had to move back to Arizona because I was on something called a witchy scholarship, which is this educational grant that the state will pay for a part of your tuition. But the stipulation is you have to go back to your home state for four years to practice. Okay. So I knew I had to go to Arizona. And I guess I could have gone with Tucson or Phoenix as bigger cities so that I could maybe elaborate more on my specialty lens focus, which I really enjoyed. But it just really made more sense for me to go back home uh, in a small town called Lake Havasu about 50,000 people. And I actually started working for my childhood optometrist. Wow.
1: Wow. (laughs) And how long did that last? Or did you end up buying that practice? You know, how, how did that transition?
0: Yes. So he had owned the three practices for like about 20, 25 years. And he took me on as an associate. And within like the first year, I knew that I wanted to become a partner Just, I have a very entrepreneurial spirit and leadership qualities that, uh, you know, good, good and bad traits, I guess. Sure. Year in, he was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's partner and do this together.
1: Wow. So right out of your residency, where did you do your residency and specialty contact lenses?
0: the University of Missouri in St. Louis.
1: And then you went back home to Arizona to your home community and you started practicing with your optometrist. Exactly. And, and within a year you say, I want to be part of this. Yes. And he said, yes, he welcomed you in, I guess. Was he older? I'm assuming. Uh, since he was your childhood optometrist, and and really welcomed your energy and your entrepreneurial spirit.
0: Yes, you know he was still innovative. With I mean, he is one of the hardest working doctors I've ever met. But uh, you know, there's a bit of an age gap between us, and I just think that he has so many things that he can bring to the table. I have things that I could bring to the table. So it just seemed like a very synergistic relationship, and right. I think that was why our business was really successful.
1: So he said, Yes, come on in. He was the one originally that owned the two practices in Arizona and the third in California. Correct. And how long did it take you to become a partner? You know, was it a five year transition? What was the process on that?
0: Yeah, I think we didn't really know what we were doing and we didn't hire any consultants or lawyers to help us. So that was our mistake. We were just kind of like doing it how we thought was best. Sure. So it took probably like three years to totally get bought in 50%. We were trying to do it some other ways the first year. And then that just wasn't moving fast enough. So we just decided, forget it. Let me just get a loan uh, for the rest of it. And then we can just be done.
1: Okay. Okay. So then three years or four, three or four years with practicing with them, you're now a 50% partner on all three practices. Now you may say it wasn't moving long enough, but I have to tell you by anybody's measure, that's extremely fast because the first year you just have to see if you get along, if your values are similar. And then it takes at least a year or two, even if you had an attorney, I think it would have taken you longer if you had an attorney, because there's (laughs) a lot of negotiations and things like that. Yes. So then you're now a partner. Take Now, what did you do? Did you start bringing in specialty contact lenses? Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So we didn't do any specialty lenses. My my partner didn't like doing gas permeable lenses or any sort of crazy corneas. I think he just referred out to some doctors in like Phoenix. Okay. But with being a small town, Phoenix is about three and a half hours away. Um, so that really leaves like a big need for people that maybe can't afford to travel sure, or don't sure. want to travel. Yeah. So we started implementing specialty lenses right away. And I kind of took your approach because I remember listening to you on a prior webinar and you said that the way you did things is, okay, you decided you wanted to do myopia management, or I think That's it was right. ortho K specifically that you were doing. Right. So you said, okay, well, I'm, I'm seeing all these regular patients and glasses, exams, all this stuff, but I'm going to commit to every Tuesday morning from 8 to 10 AM or whatever your example was. This is going to be only for orthokeratology. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: I remember that. So I said, "Well, heck, I'm going to do that. If it worked for Nick, let me just try it." So I did that. So Tuesday morning, from like ten to noon, it was blocked off only for specialty contact lens patients. Okay. So that's how it all got started. And just like you, it snowballs, right? So you get busier, and you say, "Oh, okay." So instead of eight to ten a.m uh or 10 to noon now i can do all day tuesday and that's right. specialty lens days tuesdays and then that snowballs into thursdays and so it, it just kind of gains traction the longer and longer you're practicing
1: yeah you say snowball it doesn't snowball it kind of like goes along and then it slows down i don't know if that yeah. happened with you and yes. all of a sudden you're you know, just when you think you got a handle on this You don't have any consults or anything like that. So your enthusiasm clearly uh, kept you going because I know from experiencing nothing snowballs easily. You know, you have to keep pushing the snowball down the mountain, so to speak. So was your partner upset now because you have three practices you closed out Tuesday morning. That means you're not doing primary care and, and, and uh, doing regular exams, I'm assuming. Uh, or was he supportive of you and said, this is great? Uh, what, give me a little bit of about the, the dynamics between you and him at this point.
0: Yeah. So I think that he was very supportive of it from day one. He knew that there was a huge need for specialty lens patients. And if we did this long enough, we would build up a a large clientele. So I think he saw the, the future and it was promising, but I know of course, if he's paying me for two hours and I'm not bringing in any money, What's that the repercussions right. on him as a business owner? Right. So, what I pitched was okay, if for some reason there's no consults or any specialty lens patients during this time, I will use that time to either market. I will cold call doctors. I will set up things on the website. I will make myself usable. So I'm not just sitting around twiddling my thumbs. Right. I'm going to do something that is going to benefit the practice so that you don't feel like you're paying me to sit around for two hours.
1: That That is huge. What you just said, because I was afraid you were going to say you promised him if it's not filled up, I'll put exams in there. And that's our gut instinct, right? It's like, you know, I have two hours allotted. If you see, you know, an exam every half hour, that's at least four exams and it's lost income. And that's a mistake I think many of us make is that you put leverage on yourself saying, if it's empty, there's pain there. And I'm going to fill this up. I'm going to knock on some doors. Like you said, I'm going to work on brochures or marketing, but I am going to keep busy. I'm just not going to sit there and wait. So that's tremendous. Yeah. So let's yeah. go further now. Now you're, how many are five years together or so, give or take?
0: Yep. So we were partners for about, I would say, six years in total. And that's when I had the concept of developing a specialty lens clinic, which of course we can get into.
1: Okay. So now you're six years together. I'm, I'm guessing now you're hitting an inflection point, right? You're like, I can own these three. Yep. And open up a specialty practice. I can own these three and and just do what I'm doing Tuesday Thursday maybe hire someone to see primary care. Or I remember you coming to me and and that's how we met actually. Yep. is you sent me an email nick can we talk and I said sure and you said listen you know I'm Stephanie Wu I've heard about you certainly I heard about you and and your passion for for scleral and and dry eye and things like that and you were thinking at the time of opening a specialty practice separate from your other three practices. So why don't you take us from there? You're about six years now into this three practices, and you're thinking already, your entrepreneurial brain is going, I'm thinking I want to do this more, correct?
0: Yes. So it kind of started off as, all right, do I see myself doing this exact schedule in five years? So- Uh Just to give you an example, the main location was in Lake Havasu, which is where I lived. But the two satellite offices were a one hour drive away and the other one was two hours away. So I was waking up around 5 a.m. and then driving so that I could get to the California office on time, see patients, get back home. And I wouldn't get home with the time change sometimes until eight o'clock at night. Wow. So And I'd been doing that for like, at this point, it had been about eight, nine years doing that drive back and forth and back and forth. Mm. And so I I had a lot of energy. And of course, I was just doing it. And I loved seeing the patients and I loved all the staff. But I just thought, is there a better way? Um, And so I actually just really took some time to think, okay, what would be my ideal day? And I just kind of wrote out a lot of things, journaled, thought about it, kind of talked things back and forth with uh, my now husband and friends and things. And I'm like, all right, if I had the dream day, it would be all specialty lens patients. I would not be seeing primary care. I wouldn't be doing anything with glasses. I wouldn't be doing post-ops and managing glaucoma, all the things that I was doing. So that's where I kind of got this idea of, well, maybe we can open up a practice that's purely specialty lenses. And then of course, you know, I, there was a lot of stuff going involved in like where and why, which we can always get into. But anyway, I thought Las Vegas, we had a huge opportunity because no one in Nevada was, was practicing specialty lenses at a really high level. And that's when I called you because I'm like, oh, I have this idea. Right. I could keep doing these three things and I can open this specialty lens practice. I can go back and forth. <laughs> and I remember you like to do video calls and, and which is right. unique. Most people are like, yeah, just call me on the phone at this date and time. But you're like, no, I want to see you and talk right. to you. And I remember right. I was in my car um, in a Walmart parking lot uh, during my lunch break. <laughs> and and I don't so remember. Yes. And then you were like, all right, well, you've got these three practices, you're driving a tremendous amount to all of these. And Las Vegas is two and a half hours away, additional from where I was living. Right? And you're just like, it's just not going to happen. If you, you, you can't just add this on, it's going right. to get diluted. You're not going to be able to give the attention and care that a practice like this needs. And uh, boy, were you right.
1: Well. That is an amazing story. I don't remember the details, but I do remember you said to me, Nick, I have energy. I am not afraid to work. I am a hard worker. And I looked at you in the eyes and I said, I don't doubt any of that. (laughs) But I don't doubt any of that. I mean, you were coming through the screen, your passion. (laughs) But I said, really, you're not only diluting your, your specialty, but you're diluting your personal life, and I remember we talked about briefly, and it was really trading yeah. water because we didn't know one another. It's the first time we've actually spoken, and sure. I said, you know, this may work short term, but you're going to drive yourself crazy. And and basically, we talked a little bit about values in life, things like that. Hung up the phone, really, or or the video uh, call, and I've never heard again. So I'm, I'm thinking, like most people, you decided not to make a decision. You know, sure. that's most people. You know, indecision is a decision. You decided not to decide. And unfortunately, that happens because I really do like helping people. But unfortunately, some people can't help themselves. That's the bottom line. So when all of a sudden I see one day and I really go on this, this uh, site, is you so proudly showing your beautiful office in Las Vegas and I said, son of a gun. She did it. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It was just beautiful. I said, how did she do it? And I was wondering, I was said, I wonder if she has the other three practices, because really at the time we didn't have a friendship at that time. And so sure. I just kind of kind of like admired your courage to open up cold because you, <laughs> if I was, if I'm correct, you had no patience in Las Vegas. You told me, Nick, no, I don't have any holdings, but there's a huge market out there. Yeah. So why exactly now bring us, you've made a decision? I'm going to do this. What transpired? Did you keep the other three practices? Did you sell them? What was the next step?
0: Yeah. So after thinking many months, and, and it it wasn't just an overnight decision. This is something I thought very long and hard and did a lot of research, talked sure. to a lot of friends to come to this decision. And when somebody asks me like, well, how did you get the courage to just say like, okay, I want to open up this specialty lens only practice cold with no patients and you're not taking any insurance. I mean, that's like the scariest thing that an eye doctor can do. hundred percent. (laughs) hundred percent for any doctor. Here's here's what I remember thinking. And I remember talking to my husband, we had read a book um, from Kyle Cease called The Illusion of Money. It's a really good book. It's easy to read, but he talks about, you know, the concept of money and why people are scared of it and why people are scared of losing it. And it, and at the end, he kind of talks about at the end of your life, do you, are you going to have something that you wish you would have done, but you just didn't do for a variety of reasons, money usually being involved. And I thought to myself, gosh, if, Let's just say in five years, I found out someone else had opened a specialty lens practice in right, Nevada, right. I would be kicking myself in, in, the, in the foot and saying, that should have been me. Right. So that's one of the concepts. So I talked to my husband and I said, all right, do you, if we take everything and put it into this practice idea and concept are we willing for it to fail in the way that we would have to basically live in a one bedroom apartment with our two dogs? And we looked at each other and we're like, yes. So if you get to that point in your head where you are willing to sacrifice everything and it just doesn't matter and you're willing to live in an apartment with, (laughs) with your dogs and whatever, and you're not, you don't and lucky for us you know we, we don't have kids at this point so it, i'm not like responsible for other mouths to feed but when we just looked at each other and said yeah we're willing to take that chance because this is something that i believe so much in and that's kind of where i got the last step of courage to say all right i'm i'm doing it
1: <laughs> wow wow so really you played in your mind the worst case scenario We invest all our funds, all our energy, and it doesn't work out. And we end up struggling again with our dogs, fortunately, because they love us unconditionally. Because I'm a dog lover. (laughs) I have three, you know, so, you know, you could call me a hoarder. So, But they'll love us unconditionally, and then we'll go forward.
0: And yep, then, so I, what did oh, you I'm do? the type of person of, I've got to always play out the worst case scenario. That's wow. just how my brain operates. Right. So I'm like, all right, worst case, this doesn't do well. It doesn't take off. It just fails. Worst case, I am an optometrist and I will That's get a true. job at somewhere. Lens Crafters or as an associate somewhere or doing fill in work. It's not like we're going to be totally broke and never be able to eat again. Like That's I right. have a skill that. I can do, but I will always regret not doing this if I don't do it.
1: That That is huge. If the audience doesn't get a lot out of that, really, that's, that's worth so much right there because you visualize, you visualize your success, and you also visualize your regret. You said, if I don't do this, yeah. I will regret it. And let me tell you something I've learned. I've said it in previous episodes, but it's worth repeating. I have learned that we can digest a lot of emotions, for example, success, we've had so many successes in our lives, and then they fade, you kind of like, you can't hold on to them, they fade, you can even digest failures, because if you're going to be successful, you're going to fail a lot, and they don't hurt as much as time goes on. But the one thing I have found and read like you, is we can't digest regret. You yeah. always look back and say, I should have, I I should have done it. And even me, I look back 40 years ago and I said, I should have had the courage to take action. And I didn't. And it haunts me 40, sometimes 50 years later. It's a matter. Yeah. So somehow you knew, listen, I'm going to regret this. So I'm not, I'm I'm not, I'm going to come back to the present and I'm going to do something about it. Okay. So at this point, how many years ago did you open your practice in Las Vegas?
0: So we opened the very last weekend, January, 2020. And then as you know, (laughs) had to close for probably like four months until we could reopen again, because that's when people were going out again. So not only is this like the most risky type of business to open, but then it's like we couldn't even do anything because we had to close.
1: <laughs> it's it, this is an incredible story. And, and a coincidence or not, I've interviewed just a few friends and people I respect. One was my friend Jonathan Cho. He opened his practice January 2020, totally focused on orthokeratology, no insurance. I interviewed wow. my good friend Mikey D'Angelo, who opened up a um, um, a VT only practice like 2019 to 2020. And again, open, cold, minimal insurances, just doing vision therapy, no dispensary. I'm assuming you don't have a dispensary in your current practice, correct? Correct. So Mm -hmm. now you open 2020, you have to close what, what's going on in your mind. Are you scared to death? Are you regretting your decision? What, where's your mind?
0: Gosh, I mean, there were so many emotions.
1: <laughs> sure. um,
0: I remember we were in, in Hawaii for my sister's wedding in March. And that's when we got the information that Las Vegas was shutting down. Wow. So we're like, oh, my God, it was oh so God. hard to get a flight back because all the flights that were coming into Hawaii were oh my God. canceled. Oh my God. So we're like, oh, my God, what if we don't even get back home? <laughs> so that was the start of it. And we're like panicking. And I'm like, OK. The good news is, you know, and I'm always looking on the bright side of things. So I'm like, okay, the good news is I have no employees besides myself and my husband. So I didn't have to furlough anybody, like all of my friends. I mean, that is awful that people had to go through that. Um, Then, you know, I was just thinking, well, at least this will give us more time to, excuse me, work out some of the kinks if there's anything that we could be doing. So we just fine-tuned some of the patient contracts, business cards, dealt with some of the licensing with the state board. I mean, some of these things that you don't really know will happen until you're a business owner. Right, right. So we were trying to use that time very wisely. But yeah, it was really scary. Um, you know, I'm like, oh God, we had to close. We didn't even really get to open. Hopefully it'll we'll just be able to open and I'll hit the ground running again but also right. that was difficult because people weren't allowing visitors into their office. That's right. Um, so it was a bit challenging but we figured out uh, at least as many tactics as we could to try to get the word out.
1: Wow, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know any of this <laughs> yeah. so it's it's really incredible. So now <laughs> it is about I'm going to say we're somewhere in the summer of 2020. You reopen, but you don't have a big patient base. You have no patient base to yep. really open up on. And yep. what do you do? Are you going to referral sources? Are you, what, 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 the, when you could visit these people with masks, I can't even imagine, did you start visiting people?
0: Yeah. So whenever we were allowed to visit, then I would set up a meeting with the doctor Um and instead of just popping in like I was before, I would have to call and make an appointment with them. And then if they were allowing people in the office, I would come by, bring some donuts and some information about my practice and then just introduce myself and let them know who I was, what our practice was all about. And then I also wanted to get to know them too to find out what kind of patients they see so that because since I don't do primary care and I don't have an optical, I have to send patients out for these types of things. So. Yeah, so I was able to do as much as I could. Some people weren't allowing people at all. So I would just have I to know. have phone calls with them. You just have to adapt with the times and just do the best you can.
1: Were you afraid? I don't know. It must have taken so much courage to pick up the phone and say, Hey, Dr. D, I my name is Dr. Stephanie Wu. I'm opening a specialty, Brad, Can I visit? I'm gonna say no. Are you kidding yeah. me? I'm barely <laughs> surviving here, you know, Dr. Yep. Wu. And and I'm sure you felt at times. Like salesy, or you know, what kept you going? Did you have that, or you just have the conference where you can uh, pick up the phone and call ODs and MDs and introduce yourself? Were you a little apprehensive about doing that, or you don't have that?
0: Yeah, I, I would say that most doctors will not take that step to call that's right, refer potential referrals, they don't right. take that extra step to go physically visit the practice and introduce themselves, and that. I think really makes people stand out compared to the people that won't take that extra step. So I, I guess, of course I was apprehensive and it does sound salesy and it does like, they don't know me from Adam. So it's like, it's, it's
1: like a sales rep I'm sure at times. And it really humiliating at times. I'm sure of it because I've done it and it really builds character. But at the moment you feel like poops, you go back in your car and you're like, yes. oh, boy. you know, when yeah. when you get a win, there's nothing better. But when someone shuns you or makes you feel small, for lack of a better word, there's no worse yep. feeling.
0: I, I agree. I mean, you have to have a thick skin and That's right. a mentality that when you're going in that it's just you just have to do it. And um, if somebody, like you said, shuns you or doesn't allow you to talk to the doctor or they don't right. want to see you. You just have to move on and just uh, you can't dwell on it because that's not going to get you anywhere.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That that is really an amazing point. You know, it really is. And and you said it. A lot of us are not willing to go visit and suck it up. Now, did you sell your practices, uh, the other three or did you get we're getting residual income from them?
0: No. So to open up this one, and my partner was at a time where he was wanting to retire in the next couple of years anyway. So it was a really good point for us to sell. And then he is working there for, you know, the rest of the year. And then I think he's done. And then for me, we negotiated it that I would come back once or twice a month to see specialty lens patients only, um, to just kind of help with the transition. So it worked out, I think, good for everybody.
1: Okay, very good. So now you're about a let's let's go to 2021. You're a January 20, You're a year in practice, but it's been a hell of a year. How <laughs> yeah. are you doing, January 2021? Now, are you are you paying the rent or not yet? Where are you as far as referral sources?
0: Yeah, so we had a really good response with referrals from the very beginning, the more, the more doctors we met with the m- we okay. got a lot of support from the local ODs and MDs in the community. So I I'm very grateful for them for believing in us and at least giving us some patients to, to test out <laughs> to see if our results were good. Right. And uh, yeah, so I guess we really only opened half of the year for 2020 income wise, you know, yeah. so that one was kind of a wash and I couldn't really gauge our success off of just six months. So I said, all right, well, Next year will be the very first year that we're open for an entire year and things are somewhat normal. I mean, they were still not normal, They're absolutely um, not. but yeah, we were paying the rent, paying the bills, paying our equipment loans, um, all the, th- all the deferred payments by then, you know, we had to start collecting on. So yeah, the, the 2021 year was, was great. We actually had a profit, which I was surprised by because with sure. most practices, I think, in optometry, anyway, it takes about, I think, three years on average to make a profit. Um, so, But I think because we have such low overhead and low payroll that uh, that really, really helped with the profitability of the company. Right,
1: right. And your practice, I'm assuming, is built on not volume because the average optometric practice. Correct. Mm-hmm. You, you have to you have to see a volume of patients because we yes. accept plans they're at a severely reduced reimbursement. You have to sell some commodities like soft contact lenses or glasses. And yeah. it, for you, you didn't have to have a massive volume. You needed quality referrals from these uh, doctors that we're referring to you.
0: Yes. So like in my practice, I only see probably like two to four patients a day because we block out so much time with them. So it's very yeah. different from my other job where I was seeing 40 to 60 patients a day. Now I'm, I'm seeing two to four, but it's such a high amount of quality and the service is, you know, can't be beat. So it's, it's really a every optometrist dream, or at least a lot of optometrists.
1: (laughs) I think so. And I'm so impressed. I want you to share a little bit about some of the stress because I lecture on this and I, I also say time with patient is the best marketing. You know, I just spoke mm-hmm. for your Wu university and that was my message. Yep. It sounds so uh, anemic, you know, time. Well, you give me some brochure, give me some ad to, but time is the greatest value we can give a patient. And the yes. reason a lot of us can't afford to is that we, we accept insurances yeah. and we have to mm-hmm. just, see a volume of patients, but let's talk about, and we've never discussed this, but I know it's happened to you. How about instead of seeing two a day, you don't see anyone because somehow yeah. that's going to happen. It happens to me. If things yeah. are good. And sometimes you're like, what's going on here? How do you get through those bad weeks or months or stretches where you, you, you just want to see a few patients in a day and the, the phone's not ringing. What do yeah. you do? How do you, you know, How do you feel?
0: Yeah. We've dealt with that this year where I feel like the last like four months has been really slow. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Is it our website? Are we not getting enough SEO? Is there, are the referrals down? I mean, so I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And it's very emotional. I mean, you know, as a business owner during those times, it's very stressful. And, uh, And you just have to figure out a way, a path forward. So I guess for me, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, this is just a very small time in the grand scheme of how long this practice will be open. So I used to always focus on like the income and the expenses every month. And that would just totally stress me out. And so my husband was like, maybe you should look at it as on a quarterly basis instead of like always looking at it and okay, this month didn't do as well as last month. And now you're yes. all stressed out and trying to right. figure out what the problem is. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it takes a thick skin and, and a lot of mental courage to just say, you know what? Yes. I, and you got to believe in yourself and know that you're doing the right thing. And you yeah. go, you have to believe in your practice and even when I have no patients coming in the door and I have no one on the schedule, I know in my mind that the service we're providing for these patients and the quality of care, you know, they're the only patient in the entire office when they're with us. They get two hours with the doctor. You know, they don't that that's not service you get really at any other medical facility. So I'm like, I know that there's patients out there that want this type of service. I mean, myself included, I'd be willing to spend more to have high quality time with a doctor that has incredible equipment, that's very experienced and spends a lot of time with me. So I'm like, I know that there has to be patients out there. And uh, we just kind of just keep trying to do what we know works, try new things for marketing. And, you know, you just got to hang in there, I guess. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you some perspective because I'm in awe of what you're saying. Our philosophies are very similar, but I've been doing this a lot longer than you. The bad news is even for me, 30 years into this, I hit those dry spells. And yeah. I always question, what am I doing wrong? Like you said, it's something, but the, the mm-hmm. flip side of that is twofold. Your husband is right. Is you're You can't look at this day by day. You look at <laughs> yeah. it in the big picture of things. And number two is, I think we both feel at least I'm in control. Then I'll go back out and knock on a few doors and say, hey, don't forget about me, because we do referral sources, they forget about us. And say, you know, we haven't spoken in a while. How did you survive the pandemic? And all of a sudden, at least your fate is under your control. Instead of sitting here and having the frame rep say, well, Dr. Wu, everybody's slow, you know, or August is slow. Or yeah, I went to Dr. D's office. He's slow. So it's okay for you to be slow. That doesn't doesn't make us feel better. Right. the, (laughs) The good news is the practice you're developing now, it's like investing you know if yes. you dividend reinvest and you you don't look at the market it's up today it's down today it's really down it's bear it's bull and you just continually invest over the long term you d- you you develop tremendous wealth and yes. the same thing is with practice is that if you keep on withstanding the dry spells and really pushing through the good times and expanding in a few years you know just a short years you'll say okay i have a great handle on this And the key is also, I think, is that your resilience, you know, I don't think it's the loss of money. You know, when you said you visualize the loss of money, I think what people visualize is failure. And Mm -hmm. you must, you know, it's like, I'll be embarrassed. You know, I'm a speaker. I'm respected in the field. You know, I'm this superstar in this field of scural lenses. I opened up my practice and I flop. And I got to tell everybody my practice closed. That is probably worse than losing money and living with your dogs, you know? Yeah. So (laughs) did you have that? Did you have that fear of rejection or failure when you did all this?
0: Yeah. I mean, that went through my head. Like, okay, if I try this and it just like, I do it for a couple of years and it's just, you know, not working out no matter how much I'm investing in time and just all these different marketing strategies are just not working at all. That's going to be totally humiliating. You know, I'm right. trying to educate people on scleral lenses and yep. claim that I'm one of the best in the nation and I can't even keep a scleral lens practice alive. Yep. But, you know, I think you have to just going back to the whole concept of if you are gonna regret it, you gotta do it. And I I don't and I, I don't think that my colleagues or people that are my good friends in the scleral lens industry, I don't think anybody would make me feel bad about failing. You know, they would no. I mean a lot of them are like, oh God, you've got more guts than than I do. So no, I think no, that-
1: no. You're hundred <laughs> percent right. But you know what? We're our worst enemy. It's really, you know, it's what you would talk to yourself, at least Mm -hmm. for me, is like, Nick, you you screwed up, you couldn't do it. Just like you said. So sometimes we're our own worst enemies. You're right. Your colleagues who really respect you would support you. There's nothing wrong with failure. As a matter of fact, it's part of success. If you're not failing, then you're not going to
0: succeed. Bottom line like that picture that says what success really looks like. And yes. it's like a roll, you know, that little curly, that, that little like <laughs> ugh,
1: scribble, like a first grader did it, but you visualize success is linear. And it's not, it's not, it's not. So let's, let's move on to Wu university. Cause that's when you and I reconnected and yes. I'm just in awe. I've spoken for your university twice. The first time I was really impressed by the orchestration. I didn't have to worry about anything. And I had people really, you know, I've, I've, I speak a lot and things unfortunately don't work as smoothly. That was the first time. And it was such a pleasure to speak for you and get really good feedback. And then I did it again, most recently, and that's why you were kind enough to come back, come onto the podcast. And I was even more impressed because you <laughs> have, your true leader. So why don't you kind of give the audience how this came about now. It's not that you had enough with your practice opening cold yeah. without accepting insurance, without selling glasses. Now you develop this woo University. So why don't you bring me to the idea of this came about?
0: Yeah, well, thanks for the kind words, first of all. Um, and I had a lot of time to think during COVID <laughs> because my practice had no patience and we couldn't open. And, uh, so it was, I had so much time to think and talk about ideas and things with my husband. And that's where it really got started is I always knew that when I started this new practice, I was not going to be seeing patients five days a week. That was not my goal anymore. I'd already done that for 10 years and I didn't want to be in the practice that many days and just doing clinical care. So that's when I started thinking about well, what else could I do, optometry or non-optometry related that would bring me joy and bring me happiness, and the the way Wu Yu came about was I was seeing a lot of my friends suffering with COVID and having to make these tremendous payments on their rent, their equipment, having to furlough okay. their staff, and I I guess I just thought um, uh, just as a person like, well, what could I do? You know, I'm in a situation where I'm not really seeing any patients right now because my business just got started, but is there something that I can do that would help my friends and colleagues? And so I thought, well, I've presented over like 160 hours of CE things on various topics over the last 10 years or so. So I thought, well, that's something that I know that I can do. I can lecture to my friends And that is where the idea got started is how can I help my colleagues so they can earn CE credit? And that's one less expense that they don't have to worry about. And if you look through all your receipts from all the years on how much you've had to spend on CE, it can be a lot of money. And that's difficult during these hard times. So that's where the concept kind of came from. So. It was so simple. I just got with a friend, Dr. Tom Arnold, another scleral lens guru, right, and, and I said, hey, would you be willing to present this lecture with me virtually? Um, I, I'll try to find a sponsor for it. And if they say yes, we can give it to our friends and give CE credit for free to anybody that wants to listen in. And that is really where everything started. So Visionary Optics was the very first sponsor of Wu Yu and believed in the concept and wanted to help their fellow doctors. And we talked about advanced scleral lens fitting options. And we had, I believe like 80 to hundred doctors that showed up, which I thought wow. was a huge amount yeah. for, uh, you know, just kicking this off. Sure. And sure. then I was like, wow, this is like, a, it was really fun for me. Um, orchestrating and kind of being like the behind the scenes person and kind of planning the event, uh, from start to finish, including like the post event deliverables to the sponsor. So I was like, wow, this is really enjoyable. And I like doing it. I wonder if like more companies would have any interest. Uh, and that's where woo you, it, it really did snowball. It went from just this tiny little thing. And, uh, the next sponsor was Glaucos and we, I got together with them and they have such a strong education for Keratoconus And I was like, oh, people love Keratoconus. Let's come up with a three part series that's going to be super educational and informative. And I think that one had like 400 people show up. Wow. So it went
1: from during the pandemic 2020?
0: Yes. So the first event was December 2020. And then the next event, I believe it took a little bit to get everything organized because we had to become a cope administrator and set up the nonprofit company. And so that took a couple months to really get all the details sorted. And then in March, that's when we really started kicking things up again. And so that's really the concept of WooU and and how it got started. And it's been a fantastic platform. I mean, it's very rewarding for me because I get to help come up with these events and ideas of things that doctors find interesting and then i get to find some of the best speakers like you to actually deliver that message and so it's it's incredible to see the feedback that comes in people love the events they love the speakers they love the topics so it just it's it's fun
1: and they appreciate it you know i did the scary thing i looked at the reviews you had 1200 more than 1200 people 1200 people register for a one-hour webinar myopia management. And then, like you said, you follow up. You're so professional. You sent me the reviews. You sent everything that I sometimes don't get. And then I had the courage to say, okay, who's listening? And (laughs) everybody, you know, every other comment was thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this. And it must just feel so good that you built this business from nothing, from nothing really from air. Yeah. And and you really uh, just flew with it in a professional way. I never got the sense this was mom and pop. It's kind of like probably how you run your private practice. It's the best that you can make it physically make it. You get tremendous help. Your 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 staff is amazing. And I noticed you. you weren't even part of the webinar. You have this leadership skill where you have enough confidence to really put the right people in place. So you don't have to, you're keeping true to your values of, I don't want to do this five days a week. So how, tell me a little bit, why don't we summarize everything with what you've learned about leadership? Because in my eyes, you really are a leader. You visualize your success, you visualize the worst case scenario, and yet you still run with it even though you know you're going to get your butt kicked sometimes. You know you 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 know this I may flop. I will flop, but you still yeah. do it. Tell us how you've learned this leadership style.
0: Yeah, well I think it probably goes down to like Middle school, like I was, I've always been a born leader. I I ended up being the student body president in my high school, and the captain of the cheerleading team, and lots of other organizations. So I've always been in a leadership role, and I enjoy leading others. And I and it truly matters to me to for other people to succeed. And I think that resonates with really anything I'm doing with the practice or with Wu Yu is. I personally want to develop anybody that's working with me and build them up to whatever they want to do. So, for instance, like one of my employees at the Contact Lens Institute, she was working for me, but also going to school to become an esthetician. And a lot of doctors might be like, well, you know, then she's not giving her all to the practice. Absolutely, right. But I, I totally disagree. I think supporting staff members in what they truly want to do and things that bring them yep. joy and happiness, they respect you so much more. They'll do anything for you. They will go the extra mile. Yes, they will. And that's what I've seen with WooYu is I'm, I'm trying to help all of the staff do whatever they want to do. So if they have a bigger end goal or they want to do more projects or they want to get more involved with graphic design, I'm really open to helping them grow their skills. And um, and I think, you know, leaders are you're in the in the trenches with them. Right. So, I mean, I'm I have the ability to run an event from beginning to end without anybody, because that's how it all started. Right. And so I can jump in if they need help. So if they're like, oh, my gosh, I, we're, we can't get a hold of of Dr. D, can you help us? We, you know, he's not answering his phone right, and we right. have to get this thing approved. And I can be the one to step in and, and help them wherever they need. And I think they respect that, that it doesn't matter. They can ask me anything, anytime. And my goal is to be a support system to them. And I think that they appreciate that.
1: Yeah, that's such good advice. I don't know if you've read the book, Leaders Eat Last Eat by Simon Sinek. Excellent and book. And you kind of are, are really praising or or repeating a lot of the core values that leaders have. And it's very different than what you hear in our profession, right? It's like my staff, they're lazy. My staff, they only think about themselves. My staff doesn't support me. My staff is not committed. My staff is, and, and somehow you've learned at a very young age is that you support your staff in what they value most. And this employee that wants to do esthetician work, you supported her. And I have a good story. I had a staff member, one of my best staff members. She's now with me going on 20 years. But early on in her career, she went to school for this and she became an esthetician. And then, of course, she started working for uh, uh, one of the chains and she was successful. And you know what? She came back you know, started working back part time and says, you know, Dr. D, it was good, but it wasn't fulfilling. And so you yeah. see, if I just said, hey, listen, you can't do both, you have to make a decision, we both would have lost. Yep. So it's a great story. and And I tell you, you're not only a leader of others, you truly are a leader of yourself. And I think that's the most important uh, attribute that you have in my eyes from afar is that you have the courage to make decisions. You do work hard, young lady, extremely hard, but you also visualize yourself not working as hard in the future. Yep. And then you have this courage to kind of realize your vision. So yep. it's, it's just, I hope the audience has really benefited from what you had to teach us really, because I've learned a lot you really have resilience, you have visualization, like we teach in vision therapy, you have tremendous visualization, you visualize different things, and then you have the courage to walk your talk, whether it's woo you or whether it's your specialty practice or these events you run. So it really was a pleasure to interview you today. It it really was. And, And I see such bigger things for you, Stephanie. I really do. I hope I'm not sounding condescending because I really think you're just you're just scraping the iceberg. You're just getting your feet solid now. You have this practice now that you see will start to grow. And you have this other, sounds like other venture in Wu You. And there's going to be so many more. So I really thank you for sharing your, your life story up to now. And I can't wait to see what you have in store for us in the future.
0: Well, thanks, Nick. It was a pleasure to chat with you today. And, you know, I've got to say that you have been a true inspiration to me. You're one of the first people that I thought of when I was coming up with this concept of opening my specialty lens practice. I remember learning from you years ago at Vision by Design and you telling the audience, hey, this you don't have to take insurance. You know, that's not no one's holding a gun to your head and saying this is what you have to do. And that was so incredibly inspiring that it gave me the confidence to say, hey, I can open up a specialty lens clinic and you know what I can do it without insurance too. So thanks for being an inspiration to so many eye doctors and, and sharing your experiences as well.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot to me. It really does. So listen, my tagline for my workshop, it's your life your practice, your way, and you embody that. So Stephanie, thank you so much. Everyone, you've been listening to Dare to be Different. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you.